if it's a lot of audio stuff, we kind of miss it. But yeah, it seems like everyone's doing their own actory thing. Yeah. This guy's physical. Yeah, this guy is like his whole character is I am Jewish. I, I don't like characters like that. The one trick pony. Now he was on Pacifica radio stations, WBAI especially. Yeah. Um, and he was on a PBS show called The Great American Dream Machine, which was Chevy Chevy Chase's showcase. His name's Marshall American Efron. Dream Machine on PBS? Yes. yes. Jeez, that's a deep dive. All right, I'll have to check okay. it out. This guy was in Putney Swope. Now, Mike, even though we didn't see Putney Swope, you've seen it, right? I have seen it. It's, I, I, I like that movie a lot. I oh. think it's strange that the director dubbed over the main actor and used his goofy voice, but, you know, yeah. part of the, the weird, weird choice. I like that film, and I chased the dragon. I saw Mad Magazine Presents Up the Academy in the theater. I told you this. Horace's mom took me. Horace and I yep. went to see it. Horace and, Culver, you know him, Steve. You know Horace Culver. Yeah. Shout out to Horace. But there's a scene where the uh, general is getting ready to and for a party, and he has condoms. And he's talking to his dog, like Beetle Bailey, the Otto. So he uh -huh. has this, like, Otto dog. And he throws the dog a condom, and the dog starts chewing it. And I just remember how mortified Horace's mom was. <laughs> she invited. The, she had two twelve-year-olds come and watch this with Mad Magazine fanatics, right? This is Mad Magazine. How can you go wrong? Right. Yeah. I still look for that movie. I can't find it. I remember it was all. It was all over cable when we first got cable. Wow. And I can't remember the. I can still even remember the artwork. Wasn't it? Was it was like you know a statue outside of the. The College Hall, but it was Alfred E. Newman, of course, Let right? Let me worry. Yeah, and there's like pigeon droppings on his right. top of his, yeah. 19. Well, they cut all that out. They um, intro, they they took out the beginning and the end where, where uh, Alfred E. Newman is walking. And I, I saw a different film. It might have been a film we watched, Carl, where there was an Alfred E. Newman uh, person walking around, dressed up as Alfred E. Newman. I did not catch that, so I don't think we saw it together. All right. Now, this actor here, I really like him. He didn't really go on to do anything. His name is George Morgan. He was in Greaser's Palace in Putney Swope. That's it. He was also in something called... No, he wasn't. No, that's it. He, I think he's really good. Now, he's asking this woman, are you scared to die? And yeah. what's weird and creepy is she will go on to die in 1971. Oh, wow. Oh, one year after this. Yes, but it could even be months away, depending on when it was shot. Yeah, shot. Are you saying that that actress danced on his grave after that scene when he died? That's horrifying. <laughs> Her <laughs> name's Louise Lucille Rogers. Uh, she was in Pound. Uh, she was in <laughs> The Goldbergs, which is a TV show, but it was 1940. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a woman uh, named, I've got her name, but it was a uh, Jewish sitcom, revolutionized television. To have the, a Jews on television is that the was that the revolutionary yeah. part? Yeah, that's the revolutionary part. There were Jews on TV. Before. Oh, no TV for for Jewish yeah. people. Um, that just, guy, he kind of looked like the guy who you said died. Uh, he, he kind of looked like a David Caruso kind of. Yeah, he's got that. So they're trying to escape. Well, the thing is, it won't lead anywhere. That's what this movie's going to do to us. It's going to have all these segments, and it never leads to places. 
It's also going to have deceptive segments in which you think the plot is changing, and then right. you find out, no, it was all a dream. I, I, I hate that sort of thing. So wait a minute. We already have the honking killer. Yes. And then we have dogs that we know are going to die, so it doesn't really matter what they say. Kind of. Oh, okay, here we go. Another upskirt. Now, I want to remind you that this is 1970, so yes, we will get an upskirt. Nice sticks, as they used to say. It'll be the boxer. His name's Stan Gottlieb. He was in Slaughterhouse-Five, but not as anything good. Well, I mean, have you seen Slaughterhouse-Five? There's nothing good there. It was a good book. It was a weird movie. It's it's okay. It's a I, didn't, I didn't see the first four. my favorite credit for this boxer this Stan Gatlieb is uh, cold turkey man on operating table he was man (laughs) on operating table uncredited oh so have you seen cold turkey that's a great movie yeah you recommend my DVD queue if it's on TV watch it but don't put it on the queue thank you you for being honest yeah it's he's a preacher and this tobacco company decides to do a promotion where if this town could quit smoking for 30 days uh they'll they'll give money to the town i know it yeah that sounds familiar now that you explain it i didn't yeah title i didn't so maybe the doctor is jittery because he didn't have a smoke and he's on he's there's a man on the operating table and he's like whoa you know okay now here comes a dog and it will be robert downey jr and when you see his face, you'll see him. It's him. Were those guys, uh, I couldn't tell. Were they smoking pot? Were they, or was that just normal? Well, they no, giggled throughout pot. the whole thing. They were, they were in the front seat having a toke. Yeah, okay. So this is pre, this is uh, pre-Cheech uh, and Chong. That's, you didn't get a lot of that. From yeah. Hey, there he is. You can tell from his goatee, it's Robert Daddy Sr. <laughs> <laughs> his glowing chest. Right. Now, if you'll turn the sound up, this guy is a hairless Mexican. That's his uh, name. We lay down in the southwest corner. He's going to say, the lights go out, the wind is blowing, but we're all hanging on to each other like one piece of fear. You can see his face in... Next morning, morning we go upstairs, yeah. there's no more furniture, the roof's gone, and so's my hair. That tornado scared me so much, it made my hair disappear. Have any hair on your bones? That's his big line. Wait a minute. That's his. That's the father's line to his son. Yeah. No, this this guy was not a good father. You know that, Mike. <laughs> no, but he well, wasn't. He he got his son high on pot. At what age, Mike? Oh, uh, I don't, are we talking about Robert Downey Sr.? Yeah. Gave yeah. joints often. I don't know often. I can't say that, but he definitely got Robert Downey Jr. high as a little boy, younger than eight. All I know is Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf, and uh, his father got him high at 12. So that's all I really know. Come on, Mike. You do know. (laughs) Robert Downey Sr. was a skunk who got his kid high. It's true. Listen, nothing bad happened to his kid. Sure, he went to. Was the mom in on it? Obviously, they were pretty close at this point. Well, they got divorced. I have to look up when. Uh, but uh, the mom was in the picture, yes. Uh, yeah, they didn't they built didn't up, right? divorced until the 80s. So, yes, okay. the mom was there. So, 
we changed the storyline now, right? Now we have humans or these dogs at the airport. Well, no, see, that's one of the things that bothers me about this film. These two are in the pound, in the cell, talking, and Robert Downey Sr. has taken us out of there and put them at uh, LaGuardia Airport for some reason. You can't smoke in the pound. You can smoke at the airport. <laughs> right, smoke at the airport. This is going to be like Lost, right? Like, what's what's really happening? Yeah, do they have, do they have to go back, Carl? They to fly back to They're not. They never left. They're really there. And and also, it it's pointless. It's going to turn into like a. They're going to make out to the point of having sex. It's just dumb. I don't know. This whole film is kind of dumb. It's parody and satire. It's something I call par satire, uh -huh. where they're showing the microcosm of human nature. Uh, through the the behavior of help me out, Steve. I'm lost. Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I was, I was. Uh, I know the genre you're talking about, uh, but yeah, I can't describe it as well. But yeah, it's a it's a whole uh, subgenre that uh, it's very popular, especially around this time. Ooh, finally, it earns its non-rating. Yeah. Who's who is she, uh, Carl? Do you have any? Her uh, name's uh, Carolyn Groves, and she really doesn't have much to her credits but she was in six degrees of separation in 93 mm. huh. and what's interesting about her is in 61 she was in this show called way out way out was a was a like a macabre kind of thing it was a tv show hosted by roll Dahl, of all interesting people wow really yeah yeah she's beautiful that's what i would expect her to do. maybe yes yeah. that's probably that's probably the one example of Jews not being on TV. It was Ron, Ron Dahl's television show. <laughs> it was in his contract. It's a cool name, Way Out. It makes me think of the Flintstones when they had that band called The Way Out. Yeah. yeah. And um, she was on. She was in Dark Shadows in 1966, which was that like horror TV show. Right. Doesn't have vampire. much credits, but uh, you're right that she's very pretty, and. Um, I don't know. I just think Way Out was interesting. That was an interesting series. I guess, Was it an anthology? Was it like, hello, I'm Ron Dahl? I've, I've never seen it. It just, it, it purports itself to be macabre. And you can see when you, it's not in front of me right now, but when you saw the like ad for the TV show, it was something creepy and horror-esque. I think horror might have been her little uh, niche. But she definitely, she definitely has the hair for somebody from Dark Shadows. Yeah, I caught that. There's a, uh, there's a antenna TV station that I pick up that uh, that every once in a while has some Dark Shadow episodes on, and yeah, kind of fun to. That's cool, Steve. You have rabbit ears. Rabbit ears, yeah, still going. <laughs> like Dark Shadow shows up. You're watching Dark Shadow. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not being shown. Maybe I'm in a. Because I'm have have that antenna, maybe it's, yeah. it's taking me back to when that antenna was popular. Do you have um, horizontal hold and vertical hold? And <laughs> <laughs> I got to switch when I put my Atari in. I got to go switch TV or game. Yeah. The whole thing. How many seconds for the little light to disappear when you turn it off? <laughs> yeah, three or four. Now we're having like another, like he takes us somewhere else. There. They're all like at a meeting of like the workers' party now, and oh yeah, there's a the fez dressed up weird. Yeah, the fez you saw the fez. That's um, uh, Don Cal 
Kalfa again. <laughs> I it's his mustache. That Bernie might see his face. Yeah, he looks familiar. Was he on Barney Miller, Carl? No, no, that he wasn't. He does have that look, yeah, someone would be on there. Yeah. Oh, look at this. It's 1970. They're scabs. Proud scabs. Yeah, they're they they've, they've, they've they like uh like today with the N-word. They they have taken the scab work back. They they don't it's not derogatory, it's on their their flag there. Super cool athletic. Now yeah. they're doing a song. It's so seventy. His well, sixties, like experimental theater. Yeah. Oh. Now listen. Obviously, these people, uh, the Downies themselves, getting felt felt up and, and writing. Did he write this as well, or just? Yeah, just, you know, he wrote it. Yeah. So obviously, listen. They're smoking pot along with their son, and uh, yeah. But it always cracks me up that then when it's portrayed on. Uh, in the movie, like it's two goofballs in the front seat, like going crazy, like Cheech and Chong. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but y- you wrote this on that, like you. It had to be much more calm. You know what I mean? The the portrayaler yeah. of 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 potheads. <laughs> it's never just that's the, cool the killer, show. by the way. Yeah. But oh. coincidentally, he walked past. Oh. Okay. Oh, how many times have you seen this movie, Carl? I know you have to watch these films repeatedly. This is my fourth time. I'm sorry, Deborah Ford. So this guy was robbing the pound keeper, but she didn't have any money. So he's like, well, she goes, all I have is dogs. He goes, worth anything? So he's come here to steal Robert Downey Jr., who now has his second speaking line. They're all going to die, he says. Let's see if we can catch it. Oh, no, I guess we missed it. Now, the o- this is one of the only funny things about the film, because he came there to rob her, and she goes, that'll be $5. And she's like, say what? She goes, that'll be $5 for the pooch. Money she pays. have any money. And he, then he pays her. And wait, that's the killer, the honky killer behind No, <laughs> no, no, no. That's just his criminal partner. Oh, his backup guy. Checking checking for cops during this town robbery. Listen, I got a barking dog and no one letting him in, so I got to go let him in. Now, sure. if you listen to this, he, he – oh, well, it's too late, I guess. He just consents and gives her – oh, here's – Yeah, he's giving her now. He sees. Well, there we go. There's a joke. He's a, she's a very early Marsha Warfield for the, the – uh, yeah. From uh, Night Court. Night Court. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm going to get. Uh, this is how business is done here. Well, that's it for I those thought. guys. Dog thieves have left the movie. Good job, Wallace. Good job. Well, I want to thank the crew first and foremost. Pound I wonder away. if it ever was a suggestion that they would all be nude since, you know, the dogs are nude. You would figure this would be the, the appropriate uh, place for everyone to get naked, yeah. pretending to be dogs in the pound. Oh, boy, was my dog glad to see me. Now, these two are interesting, okay? The one on the right is famous for being a tap dancer, of all things. Hmm. The one on the left was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He was in The Sting. He was in Policewoman TV series. 
let me find this tap dancer story. It's interesting. Yeah, all these guys, all these actors look so familiar. Yeah, their sideburns are familiar. <laughs> it's true. It looks like he gave up halfway through with that sideburn. You know, so one of, one of the things, Steve, I like about your show is that you ask for porn names for the movie yes. you're watching. So we're watching Pound, and I think I wrote, I got, I got a porn name. <laughs> is it? Is there any change? No, actually, did I tell you this one already? It's Pound. It is Pound. It is Pound. It's Pound. Pound. <laughs> Doggy style. That's probably a follow up. Oh, that's, that's a good one. I'm gonna well, go with uh, He Hound. Yeah, there you go. Put, just, add an, yeah. just add an H in there and see if that's... Ah, here it is. His name's Chuck Green, and he's playing the part of Mutt, and he's a tap dancer. When he was nine, he was brought to New York by a talent scout to study tan tap dancing. A famous talent agent, Nat Nazaro, signed Green up as a client when he was just 12 years old. He and his childhood friend, James Walker, teamed up and called themselves Shorty and Slim. Walker mm. was talented comic dancer and would would um, they changed their name to this and that they played New York's Palace Theater until 1944 they toured Europe Australia US Radio City Music Hall the Paramount Apollo Capitol Theater jobs were plentiful five stage shows a day playing nightclubs until early morning and touring nonstop with big bands across the country and abroad in 1944, due to Green's stress, the team broke up and Green was committed to a mental institution where he stayed for 15 years. Wow. Man. And now he's out and being in pound. What a Where's life. Where's he singing at him and he's is this guy acting like Hitler, the guy with the Hitler mustache? Uh, he did do that bit. You saw it earlier when they were in their workers group. No, right now he's uh, saying, um, if you give me some iced tea, I will impregnate you and it will be the Messiah. It's stupid. It's stupid. The whole thing's stupid. Give it a listen if you want. Next time there's some two people talking to each other, turn it on. I guarantee you it's nonsense. All right, challenge accepted. I told you to take it easy, but when I see him, he was restless. He didn't say nothing. Come on. You took your purple heart down at a pawn shop. Did I say anything? What yeah, we well, said something. About? At the time I took my purple heart to the pawn shop. I'm like, how much can I get for this? Like, oh, I don't know. The war's not that popular, so. Uh, <laughs> A dollar? And I'm like, wow, 1970s dollar? Better than I took Purple Heart. Let me just say, uh, my, uh, my sync with your you turning up the sound is, is dead on. We, <laughs> we'll hit play at the right time if, if, if there's no other success to this. Then great yeah. countdown. Yes. Okay, you now we're uh, going to see the honker, honky killer gets another victim as these two innocent people who are doing it in public. We'll get you. Oh, I thought she was dying. Oh, the shot. I thought they were dogs. We're we're now with two irrelevant actors. They're not even credited in the film, and they will be shot by the honky killer. Is that the honky killer? Yes. Man, well, he's taking his time. 
he's okay, worse so at porn. They're interviewing Robert Downey Sr., right? And he says, who's the best actor you ever worked for, worked with? He goes, there's this bald-headed guy in a lot of my films called Larry Wolf. He's the best. I didn't have to say much to them. He says, much to him, he says, I got it, and then goes and does something else. He's great. <laughs> Crazy. Well, they're in sync. Uh, Look at that. Got him right in. Go. After midnight, we gonna let it all hang on. Hey, you guys ever get shot while having sex? It is such a fucking rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, if you liked getting choked, you'll love getting you'll shot. You'll love getting shot. How do we amp this up? It's a uh, puts the omega in orgasm. <laughs> now you had said that many of the actors look familiar, and they should. This yeah. is another one. You can see he's in the real world right now, so he's a greyhound. Uh, but I won't tell you who he is until you see his face. Maybe you'll know. How old are you, Steve? Yeah, fifty. So okay, this is you might. Yes. This guy's just a tiny bit before your time, though. But yeah, I was, uh, you know, but my dad was one of those that would, yeah, would take me to everything. We'd watch old stuff. So, okay. So I'm usually pretty good about even the decade or so before me. Yeah. Okay, good. Now, this was a TV show, though. So, okay. It wasn't like tri-state area commercial for like Levitz or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Me and Mike have in common all the tri-state area commercials. Yeah, uh, all the you Broadway know. shows, the Pathmark right. guy, we've seen them all. Crazy the Pathmark guy. Carvel. Right, Fudgy the Whale. Fudgy the Whale. Poor poor West Coast guys don't have that experience. No, there's not really, yeah, it doesn't get as local out here. In Chicago, where I grew up, we had, we had of course, oh. like the Empire carpets and all that kind of nice. stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Chicago is where you hail from originally. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the hometown. Was there like a Broadway in Chicago? Like, would you see ads for like a Vita and shit like that? Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There was kind of a yeah downtown theater district, and in fact, that's one of the one of the commercials I always remembered was the Avita one because that was so popular. Oh, Don't cry for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, didn't we just do a movie and the singer of Evita was in it? Uh, the original singer. Wait, are you talking about Evita? Evita. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We just saw it. Maybe it was last week. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, last week was the Clash movie. Right, last week was the Clash, so it was the week ahead of that, which isn't in front of me right now. Wow, we don't have any backup episodes, Carl. Uh, no, <laughs> we do not. <laughs> we are recording. Uh, All right. We are in trouble. Hey, June 27th, rock and roll. Give it up. <laughs> uh, let's see. We are good until, yeah, June 27th, yeah. Yeah, that's Man, uh, last during, week. The, during lockdown. We recorded like six a week. Yeah, I'll bet. Then yeah, kind of you could expand and yeah, yeah, backlog them all. Well, it was good because you know we our lives go different directions, and there's some times where we can't do it, so we had a backlog. Now, this is a penguin. This guy is in his tuxedo. He's not a dog. He's a penguin. Oh. But we don't know that yet. Is that right or no? Yeah, he's talking about it right oh, now. Easy. Okay, just, yeah, through him talking. He's kind of a Klaus Kinski and... Uh, he's in the band. Yeah. John Malkovich angle mixed together. The gay dogs. 
Oh man, are they gonna gas them yet or what? Are they gonna inject them? How do they kill these dog puppies? Yes, it's gas. Oh my god. So you got a Hitler guy, Hitler impression, and then okay. they gas the, the ensemble at the end. Now do you recognize that nose? You recognize that face? Yeah, it's the Levitz guy from Chicago. <laughs> That's right. No, it's oh. Huggy Bear. It's Huggy yeah, it's Bear. Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch, of course, right? Right, yeah. exactly. He was in Sw uh, Swoop, right, Putney? Uh, good question. Good yeah, question. Snoop played it in the movie. It was Snoop, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're saying Putney Swoop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see, yes. Listen, I want to criticize the Starsky and Hutch movie very much. It had nothing to do with the TV show. In the TV show... Huggy Bear was not a pimp, not at all. He was an alcoholic heroin addict bum who was their informant. He was not a pimp. If Snoop Dogg had taken five minutes to watch a little YouTube clip, he would have seen. Hmm. Wait. So wait a minute. He he didn't in the TV show Huggy Bear didn't have an iguana and smoke pot like <laughs> the movie version with Snoop Dogg. That's right. Now he was in a lot of black exploitation movies. We. We covered Huggy Bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in – guess what? He is Arabic. He is not African-American, by the way. Hey, the, the, the profile sure kind of looks looks that way, right? Like he does, yeah. Antonio Fargus is his name, and he was in Putney Swope. Fargus. Cool. Got Related it. to the Fargus from the Fargus incident in A Christmas Story? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But uh, good brain. He was, was in he? car wash. He was in car wash. Yes, yes. What was the half budget on this this movie? Oh, it's out of control. Yeah. Big, it's the reason why uh, you uh, MGM merged with UA after because of the budget. <laughs> so... Now you see why they're how they're on a train. Yeah. Now yeah. they're back in the cell. It just he does that all the time. It drives me crazy, and I cannot find out budget and and um. Uh, not only can I not find out budget, but Robbie Down Robert Downey's not talking. This guy is not a smart businessman. Now look, okay, I want to say positively about Robert Downey Sr. He was in the army, he played minor league baseball, and he was a Golden Gloves champion. And oh, he was wow. off off Broadway playwright all before he was 22 years old. But he peaked. Okay. Yeah. He plateaued. Was he one of those guys who were like, ah, no one wants to produce my movie? He well, he, I don't know. He he made a play called The Cup Come, Cup Come Uppins, and that's what this is based upon. He would do stuff like that. Like, he would do it at a movie theater at midnight. He would do a play. Like, he was that kind of a, I mean, he might as well have been doing fish burgers. He was yeah, that kind of a... East Lower East Side hippie, you know, pot smoking New York. Let's make a movie, kind of guy. But um, when he started to have success, he didn't follow it through. Uh, let me try to find it here. You mentioned New York, Carl. Do you recognize any of these locations, like the outside and stuff? Yeah, well, outside of the pound uh, looks to be. Um, I, I'm not. 
as you know, it's our stomping grounds, having lived there and everything. It looks familiar. I'm not sure what street it is, quite frankly, but yes, it looks familiar. Yeah, full disclosure, I did not live there, but I took the bus from New Jersey over the bridge <laughs> through the tunnel. You never lived in Manhattan. Adam did. Adam lived in Alphabet City. Yeah, my brother. Yeah. In, yeah. Okay, Putney Swope. Okay, after Putney Swope, right, Hollywood came calling. I got offered a couple of things, a big film with Raquel Welch, which made no sense, shot in California. I can't remember the title. It was a famous Gore Vidal book. And then the direct, the interviewer goes, Maya Breckenridge? He goes, yes, that's it. They were going to get that, rid of that director. I said, I haven't read the book. They said, you don't need to. I thought, wait a minute. I don't need to do this. It's going to be a nightmare. Have you seen that movie, Maya Breckenridge? It's an atrocious movie, apparently. It's terrifying. And that's another movie that's on the MGM Network. The MGM Network has that, the Casino Royale from the 60s. This movie, just terrible films that hold up. The payday. Listen, if you were offered the chance to direct a Hollywood film to get taken out to California to get that money, it's just a stepping stone to direct your own stuff. He would have never had a career if he did Myra Breckenridge. That movie was horrifyingly bad. And All right, well, how about this? He was offered another one with Bill Cosby as an ambulance driver. Harvey Keitel is in it. It was called Mother Jugs and Speed. Yeah, that's yeah. a good movie. Anyway, Hollywood came knocking, and he said, nah, he's I'm just, just going to drink not tonight. answering the door. Yeah. yeah. He didn't get the door. Well, it's I mean, he could, uh, yeah. If he, right, could could the could what he what he knew about Maya Breckenridge have been worse than this? Like, like wouldn't you wouldn't he have, wouldn't some someone this avant garde been like? Well, I can I could do something with it, or I can do something with it if he was a creative individual. Yeah. You so, should see the movie. You guys should see the movie if you can. I mean, you can't sit through more than ten minutes of it. Yeah. But if you do. It it is it's purportedly avant garde. The guy tries super hard to superimpose like Andy Warhol paintings of Marilyn Monroe and uh, old film clips, and it's basically Rex Reed trans trans. Uh, he becomes a, a Raquel Welch, and uh, oh, interesting. It, well, it's a dated movie, and uh, it's just really hard to sit through. And John Huston falls for her. The director plays hmm. uh, a, a Hollywood director. Now, we saw Raquel Welsh in A House Is Not a Home. Oh, yeah, the prostitution play, the brothel movie. I like that movie. And that was pre her fame. You know, she was not a known star. No, people were coming to see Shelley Winters. They weren't coming to see Raquel Welsh. Right. Yeah. Oh, finally, we're out, wow. out of the town. I like when the movie gets out of the town, you know? Usually, it's just a grind in there. Well, I would like if it got out of the pound and it was real. Hashtag. Now, what you're doing now is singing by the light of the silvery moon. And that's what this whole scene is going to be. It makes no sense. It has no purpose. Look, they're all dressed like Canadian Mounties or something. I like their social media campaign. Hashtag pound. It made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with two hashtags in a row. Yeah. Was it Carl when you you said you've seen this four or five times? Like after the first time, did it? I obviously it doesn't yeah. make sense even even as you're describing it, just how that jumps around. But did it? Um, yes. 
Did so you have to see it twice till you understood like, oh, oh, okay, I see here that, that now they've I, gone out and they're not dogs or they're dogs here. Exactly. Like, I mean, it, I can't imagine just one time going through this and understanding what they're, they're attempting even. There's confusion as you watch it. And the subtitles, unfortunately, are in Hebrew, so that doesn't help. And, and there's uh, no vowels. There's no vowels under the letters. So I can't read it. That's right. Mike knows Hebrew from uh, I, I know my it's olive, bet, gimel, hay, June, July, August, Ooh. September. I know. I know that. I knew eleven thirty-two. That's the first thing I knew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get lost in translation that way. I actually watched the. I I I went to the end of this video just to see what was on it, and it is an Israeli uh, MGM network, and they have advertisements. Oh, okay. So they actually have a advertisement for a movie channel, and they play like a version, not like a version, version, a version of like a version. Uh, it's covered by someone else, and there's this woman in romantic, like this guy dressed up as a knight, sits down at a dinner table, and it's like very romantic, and then it plays like a version. And it's for like hot HD movies. So I don't know if it's like <laughs> lifetime romance movies or just straight up porn. <laughs> I don't think Israel shows porn. I could be wrong about that. Okay. I'm not going. I need okay, to know what country show full on porn. I'm not going to go halfway around the world to look at something digitized. <laughs> if you're not going halfway around the world if they don't have porn? Yeah. Like if it's digitized, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Um, okay, I've been in Israel three times. Uh, you've been there never, Mike? You're Jewish. I'm not even Jewish. Yeah, well, you went for me. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> in yeah. 2005, Robert Downey Sr. discovered a print of this film in the cameraman's ex-wife's closet. The print was in such bad shape that it was impossible to run through a picture. Okay, I kind of told you this stuff. Um, yeah. It appeared in the next year in Philadelphia Film Festival, 2006. Um, okay, the film disappeared. That is to say, they took the film to the studio. Um, they screened it for the head of the studio, and he thought it was going to be animated. He thought I thought this was going to be an animated film. And so it was on a double bill with the Fellini movie called Satricon. Yes, uh, Satiricon. Satiricon. I was in heaven, but the studio was ashamed of it. It was rated X for language. The same studio had bought Midnight Cowboy a couple minutes later, so this thing disappeared. So this hardly had any any showing at the box office. Yeah, but it's fodder for this cable network in Israel. Mm -hmm. This is Kermit's first appearance on screen there, too. <laughs> he looked very Kermit. Yeah. He was at the bar. He, was, he didn't realize the camera was on. You don't, yeah, they, they usually don't let him appear in bar scenes for the kids. But. <laughs> Henson's under there, like, doing up skirts. <laughs> okay, so in a different interview, the interviewer says, what possessed you to get into filmmaking? And this jerk, Robert Downey Sr., <laughs> says, I'd rather do that than work. <laughs> it shows, man. Uh, you well, know. That, that probably explains the real Hollywood calling. Yeah, uh, it's more right? That it, that it seemed a little too much. I got That's out true. of the Army and stayed with my sister in the village for a while. She said to me, a couple blocks around that corner, there's a thing called Three Penny Opera. You might like it. Give you something to do. 
I went over and, whoa, somebody could do this? This got me interested in doing theater. Then I was working at the Village Gate as a waiter. I know that place. Yeah. One of my cohorts there said, you're writing? When you get me something, let me know. I've got a camera. We'll make a movie. You'll be the director, and I'll be the cameraman. This guy, like, just fell into. Jeez. Yeah. Well, charm life. You know, I'm sure his life was difficult. You know, and a lot of his movies, it was hard for him to get distribution and uh, releases. You know, but he tried. Yeah, well, if you didn't make crap, you would get it released. I gotta say this... that the look of it is is pretty good, right? Like, yes. Mm -hmm. Like if 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 you if you're not trying to follow a plot or a you know a, a dialogue, the the look of it this looks like a a, a you know a seventies era film, late sixties. Yeah. You know, I think he's a, a director. This is probably one of the better films I've seen, Carl. From it has a good. It it looks okay in terms of lighting and framing. Yeah. It it's directed well in that sense. It's cinematography. Yeah, that's what I mean. It it mm -hmm. it doesn't seem where you're like, oh, this looks like a student film or something. Can yeah. I play the Can I play the audio for this scene? Well, if you want to, yes, because when the the um. Okay. No, the serial killer is calling the pound. It doesn't make sense. He's talking to him like. I don't know. I just want to hear the guy's voice. Oh, if you want to hear the guy's voice, then later he's going to call up the police chief and have a conversation. Okay. It's better. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll cut it up there. Now, Don calls. Don is still going on about how we're going to break out of here. It's existentialism, man. There's no exit. Are the dogs I guess so. Yeah, the dog. That is Eric Krumpnik. He was uh, born in Georgia, Russia, USSR. Um, he was in Putney Swope. I don't know. Not much to him. Okay, so now the boxer's getting high for the first time, and so we're going to have, like, this, once again, we're walking away. Dream. Like, everyone's going to get high because he did kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, so they're all high. I guess. And we're going to see dog flashbacks. This guy, he's just any excuse. Look at that. Yeah, dog's doing Wait it. Wait a second. All right, okay. Man, imagine watching like, a Bellini movie and be like, oh. There's a double feature. I can't wait. There is a cat, and that's the Asian guy. And there's lots of racism with, like, um, you can do my laundry and stuff like that. It's all parody, right? He's sad. Uh, well, she, yeah. Rick Taylor. Know. You know, Rick. it's all parody, right? So it's not like, is this a comedy? I'm not laughing. I don't know, man. They're actors. He's acting. I think he's on a typewriter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, he's the writer who's always talking about, I need a pencil. So why is he on a typewriter? By yeah. the way, something that's funny, that, that it should be funny, when he gets the pencil, he's like, do you have any paper? Uh, heroin? Uh, okay, cocaine. Yeah, for some reason now, the boxer will have cocaine. I don't, I, it doesn't make any sense. Wow, that's rude. When someone offers you cocaine and a knife in the Bart, you shouldn't take that much. <laughs> you shouldn't. Yeah. 
How rude. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, fishnet. Fish, fishnet lens. Uh, Robert Downey Sr. was in Boogie Nights in 97 as like that studio guy. Oh. Uh, I guess I was looking at the porn part of that. Yeah. There was like a yeah. Hype Williams uh, uh, fish eye camera. So this is where the movie goes wild. Things have just gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for them to get gassed, I guess. Yeah, you start rooting for it, right? Well, you got a long wait. I mean, this film just drags. I mean, we still have 40 minutes. Hey, honey bear! Yeah, I guess you're right. That's good, Carl. We're getting into the third act. Yeah, right. There is no, you know how I like tell you the acts and the, you know, what yeah. part of the film this is according to a Hollywood script. No, there's none yeah. of that here. Nah. <laughs> All right, let me tell you more interesting stuff. Uh, Who's this? This is uh, 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 Stephanie Downey Jr. Was that who's a little girl? Uh, there yeah, is right. a little girl who will be an angel in this. Did you just see her now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that is. But you guys saw the Angel of Death too. It wasn't just me. <laughs> Lucky. Well, later there'll be one of those segments in which we're out of here, and there is an angel. I, I, it is. It is. Um. Let's see. Where is she? When when do we get to the farm? When is the scene where they all get to the farm? Is that at the end? Like a big farm? Grandma will be there. <laughs> Tell you out. I. <laughs> Don't know now. When the angel is leading them, there's a farm. Maybe they're in the wild. They're in the. I don't know the answer, Mike. I'm sorry. Well, don't you tell your dog like, okay, we're gonna yeah. go on a ride, and there's gonna be a big farm. Like you tell your kids. Oh, like, you oh. don't. Yeah, yeah. It's on the farm. Yeah. Okay, it's Allison Downey, and she plays Angel. Oh. Now she was is. Um, she's a little bit older than us. She, she's done a lot of things. Uh, she's worked on videos. She did costuming. She had companies in which they had, um, they like managed stars. Uh, one time she was in trouble with cocaine and moved out to California to get saved and live with her brother for a while. Um, she's in Manhattan currently. Uh, so that is his sister, huh? Yeah, and it's all off the top of my head because in my research I read about her, but I didn't write it down. She's hardly in the thing. Right. I know we were uh, talking about the young girl through it, but uh, the pantomime from the uh, the fat Jewish guy of the uh, of getting the blowjob there. Was yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That was a 1970s blowjob. That's OG yeah. right there. That was your parents' blowjobs. Is this pre ninety nine cent beauty pageant? What's the? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh yeah, what was that? It was a dollar ninety eight. Dollar ninety eight. Yeah. What's you win the prize. You look great. Yeah. You win the prize at a dollar ninety eight. That was a great. I don't know if it was a great show, but that was a great <laughs> yeah. visual, right? Yeah, he was. He was fun. What I can't think of his name. I'm sorry, I can't. It's torn. Rip. Rip torn. Taylor. Rip Taylor. Yeah. And we saw him in that vagina movie, Mike. Uh, yeah. Steve, I don't know if you Chatterbox. watched the Maison Movie Club to do this film. It's called Chatterbox. It is on Chatterbox? Amazon Prime. 
it's yeah. a woman who sings through her vagina talks. So they she oh. she, she performs musical numbers. They, she sings. Virginia. Oh, Mike, uh, turn yeah. up your uh, volume because you will hear him talk to the serial killer. And he thinks he's African-American because he's the honky killer. Yeah. But as a cop. your scrapbook motherfucker because you're dead he goes at least we know he's a brother he isn't it's a white guy doing a black voice yeah but yeah. but he's fooled the cop and I um say that that scene there was was pretty good like the yeah, yeah. it was kind of funny it yeah. made some sense it, it, the the you know the different voices and even the editing back and forth between the calls was good like yeah it went lucid all of a sudden yeah, what happened? It went mainstream. Well, I guess because we're in the real world and he's taking a real life call. Yeah. Uh, now, this guy's name is L. L. Earl J. He's playing Lieutenant Weintraub. And the only thing interesting is he's known for a f TV series called Hawk. This was 1966. Hawk was a TV series starring Burt Reynolds. Hmm. Crime-busting techniques of Native American detective John Hawk of the oh. New York City District Attorney's Office. Turn off. I'd rather watch Way Out with Ron Dahl. <laughs> <laughs> His name is – Burt Reynolds' name is Hawk because he's a uh, – uh, Native American. Native American. I always said African-American. But, you know, same difference at that point. Still Burt Reynolds. And he is, right? Is that right, Burt Reynolds? Is he part Seminole, I think, or something? Is he? I think so. Huh. All right. I think in a couple movies, yeah, he 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 leaned into, you know, some uh, Native American heritage, he claimed. I remember reading some stuff on that. He also said he was... Huggy Bear's uh, connection? It's way late in the movie to have another dog show up. It's a pound, Carl. Elliot Gould? <laughs> it does look like him, right? Yeah. Is it Inspector Gadget from the 70s? The, the whole MASH, MASH team is coming in. I'm here for season four of MASH, episode eight. <laughs> Uh-oh. You got pounded. Get out. Can't get out. He's a cat in the pound? Yeah, he's a cat, and he's going to talk. I mean, this Carolyn, she's kissing everybody. Oh, cats and dogs. Actually, this is pretty good. She goes, why do you like me? He goes, I do not have taste. And he, she goes, I love it, and kisses him. <laughs> oh, there we go. I just so, find it creepy that she's going to die so soon. Hey, I like that when they go into German, the, the Hebrew disappears. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pass. Supporting it. 
disregard whatever they're saying. And are they singing now? Hishtelel merov kaas. Just doing a little Hebrew here. Carl, you're reading it left to right. You have to read it right to left. Okay. Oh, it says if shalalechet. There you go. I love his tap dancing story, and I hate his I went crazy for 15 years because of stress. There's more story there. But she's singing like all black magic to him, and he's just looking at it like complete contempt, and he doesn't move at all. So you got a dancer, and you yeah. have someone and he's purposely not dancing. Well, he hasn't danced really in 15 years. And then you remember his grueling schedule. I know. Isn't that nuts? Let me touch your head, please. It's good. It was warm. Thank you. Stupid. <laughs> That's what I mean. When it's, and again, obviously the idea of it is to be a, a bit avant-garde and crazy. But when the, the, those, those lucid ones where there's some type of thing, it almost feels like uh, like a, a early John Landis, like, you know, yeah. something yeah. movie or, or, you know, schlock and that kind of stuff. Now, look, she just tried to gas the dogs, but the gas isn't working. So she's going to call Con Edison. Oh, uh, there's a joke. And then you're going to be like, Wednesday? That's three days from now. You need the lethal gas now. It's good parody. I do have this interesting story about a movie they made called Chafed Elbows in which they, like, invaded Yankee Stadium. Um, no, it's called... It's called Ball's Bluff, and it was a short. Um, and it was Downey Jr., a senior? Yeah. Okay, let me read this to you. In one of your films, you played a Confederate soldier who wanders into the middle of the field at Yankee Stadium during the game. Was that tough? He goes, oh, yeah, the actor we originally had refused to go on the field. He was too scared. We were stealing the shot. We had two cameramen, one behind home plate, <laughs> one on the right field line, and I was terrified too. They took me downstairs. They said, if you had gone near Mickey Mantle, we, you could have been shot. You probably couldn't do something like that today. If I had to do it all over again, I would, even though I know it's really dangerous now. But I did really say to the guy on first base, where are the Yankees? That line actually wound up in the newspaper article about the incident, which we put in the film. So I don't know. That's kind of interesting. They uh, very interesting. Yeah, I would love to see that footage. That sounds pretty cool. They guerrilla guerrilla huh. warfare to film. So I don't think that joke is interesting. How small were the cameras at this point that they could get the into you know? Well, when he says he's behind home plate, I bet you he means in the seat. Yeah, yeah. And also, that probably cost him a pretty penny. Um, now, it was a short called Ball's Bluff, so therefore, it probably wasn't backed by a studio. Okay, here's another reason I hate this film. They've all escaped. Did you see right. that? They've yeah, all been let right. out. So that makes you think that this film is going somewhere. Right. But what's going to happen is you're going to get your – you're going to get gashed because it never happened. They're back in the pound. Look, they're all free roaming the streets, and they're loving it. Yeah, like you said, it seems like we're making progress here. Right. Now we're getting a plot. 
I, I like it. I still, I still vouch for this movie. He's showing all possibilities. He's showing them escaping, and then you know, ultimately, there's no escape. They die. Okay. There is some confusion. There's, there's those little touches. Uh, a great shot, in New York. Wow. Yeah, um, the Empire State Building. The uh, of just the, the, like that, where they all of a sudden these dogs interact with people. Were those all other dogs, or are those people that they're you know? Hey, good question. Those no, must we never, be other we never people. Get, yeah, we never get it. I was saying to Mike, I think it might have been you when you were getting your dog, Carl. Like, it might have paid off to not that I want to see all these people nude, but <laughs> the dogs aren't wearing clothes. Like, let us know like how we could tell the difference between a person and a dog there. Nude like, would work. Nude, you know, or yeah, because they're not wearing it, or a, a collar on all the dogs or something. Yeah, like this yeah. guy here, I thought he was a dog in the beginning. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's got a leash, right? Now, yeah. here's Stan Lee again, and as you know, he was looking for his dog, Rodney. So he's going to go in there, and he's going to go, Rodney, and he's found Rodney. But he's going to go, wait a minute, you're not Rodney. And then the boxer's going to be like, what's the difference? And he's going to go, Rodney. It's it's a little funny and a little dumb. Oh, my God. Wait a second. I, I, I Is this all going over my head? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously it has, but. Rodney! Is, is the boxer a boxer? Is there Are, are these things about the breeds? Yes. Yes, that's why the Siamese cat is Asian. And, that, uh, I, that, that one I picked up on, but I didn't pick the boxer up. I'm so I'm an idiot. Uh, okay, the one so who that, looks very Irish with his red hair is an Irish setter. Irish setter. Oh, okay. and there's a German guy too, right? German Shepherd? Uh, yeah. let oh, me no, no, it doesn't work. Uh, he is a Dachshund. Dachshund. All right, guys, break it up. I'm playing referee. Break it up. Break it up. Two corners. Girl, a poodle? What's she? Is she? What are we? She's just a female dog. Now look, this is like really creepy. Watch what happens here. <laughs> She asked Downey, Downey Sr. for her paycheck. Now, look, she was dreaming. She's not getting run over by a car, and they're all back in the pound. She dreamt the dogs escaped. She let the dogs out. Do you see the carbon monoxide that really ended up in that tunnel? It's a strange place to shoot. Yeah. It doesn't look like a real like a dog pound at all, nope. but it's no. cool. It really looks like the West Village. Like, you're not on Bleecker Street. You're, like, on one of the other parallel streets to it. Um, like, you're between West Broadway and Broadway on one of the side streets, like Spring Street or something. So this is, like, a, a factory on Spring Street? I guess. That's why I hesitated when you are like, do you recognize it? Because, like, I recognize the neighborhood, not the place. It's, I mean, it's from 70, so it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's probably disappeared by the time we were hanging out. Well, the thing is, if you go down to, like, what did I say, Spring Street, you'll see that it's the word cobblestone. You know, the roads are, 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 are kind of brick. Yeah. That's, that's what makes it clearly uh, West Broadway area. What is going on? with this film man <laughs> they were just out and on the street and they were free 
They were free, buddy. Uh, so gonna, oh. He's going to jerk off. Oh. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah, Here's what I think of your great. script, senior. He's really jerking it. Yup. And yep. Robert Downey Jr.'s mom loves it. And look. Yeah. What is the Deutschland? This is called acting. Wasn't this a commercial for Edmonds? <laughs> <laughs> the Mr. cat doesn't get it. He's not for it. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it was well produced. I thought it was a commercial for a second. <laughs> now look how... Do you think even though he's Arabic, he really is black? Because look at the hair. I mean, he's still, yeah, he definitely, I mean, it's, there's a, a kind of a cross there, right? He's, yeah, I almost said African-American, but if you're not from America, you can't say that. Um, Antonio Fargus. Now, first of all, his name's Antonio, so that's kind of a Western yeah, name. Right. Um, can't find him. Can Maybe he's Does he have an iguana and smoke pot in his apartment? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that whole Starsky and Hutch film, they didn't do the stars. Did you guys, did you see, uh, was it called Black Power Fist or something like that? Is that it, kind of a spoof one? Is that the? Yeah, they did Black, a Black Exploitation spoof. Yeah, Black film. Dynamite. Black Dynamite, yeah. Now, yeah. that's what Starsky and Hutch should have been. Right. They yeah. should have brought us back to that, you know, uh, filmed in 35-millimeter film, but yet it's a TV show. Yeah, Black, Black Colors. I don't know. Black Dynamite reminds me of, like, Grindhouse and uh, Turbo Kid, where it's not parody, but it's not homage. It's like this weird gray zone. Like, it, yeah. it replicates what it parodies, but it parodies what it replicates. And You don't think it, it was homage? Yeah. No? I think it's beyond homage. I think, like, they, they did it, like, usually that would be, like, a parody. It would be a sketch, and they'll make fun of it, but they don't make fun of it. They just keep the the tropes and the look yeah, and the... the, vibe, uh, the yeah, they kind of amplify it. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you're you're embracing it, but also making fun of it, but you're still embracing it. It's strange. Like, I, yeah, I just, like you exaggerate it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Rather than undercut it for the humor, they almost go over the top with it for the humor. Yeah. 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 You can't tell if it's a joke or not. Right, yeah. It's very, yeah. Okay, very so good. here's something about Putney Swope. And, and uh, you know, I'm not recommending that you necessarily see it, uh, Steve, but uh, we yeah. sure have been talking about it a lot. Uh, he see, senior says this is a film that nobody that nobody wanted. I think there was one distributor left who hadn't seen it. A guy named Rugoff who owned Cinema Five and all these theaters uptown. He said, "I don't understand it, but I like it." He took the film, opened it in about a month. Uh, in about a month, in one of his theaters, Cinema Two, a big deal, and damn right, it sold out. I went to Temple University in 68 or 9 to show Putney Swope. I had my kid with me. After the screening, a guy comes up in a jacket and tie. Thank you for getting me into advertising. Wow. Yeah, it's a funny movie, and it's a, it's a good take on advertising. But... Well, I mean, the point of it was an African-American was now in charge of a major corporation. And so there was a bunch of stereo. Okay, here is clearly uh, a Alison Downey. 
You see the angel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, they're finally escaping. Through the pearly gates, though, because <laughs> they're going to die. They're going to die or they're dead? I don't know, Michael. I don't see them dead yet. Right. We're going to get to see them watch them Is die. This the farm? Go into the farm? They're going to yeah, die from gas, too. Guys, ne- never met a metaphor that doesn't last more than two minutes. <laughs> Good point. We get it. Plot slower. Yeah. Bad dogs. Bad dogs. There's now look at the daughter. Now I guess she didn't want. There must be some story why she's not. I mean, Listen. with a successful brother, I think if she wanted to, she could be in a film or two. You know? Yeah. She had her own life, Carl. Who knows? Not, not everyone, you know. Um, Mike, I read about her, and her own life was not very pretty. So, I mean, don't talk like you know. Okay, see all the gas? Yeah. They're getting killed right now. Yay. Yeah. Well, that's the irony, right, is that heaven has its own gate as well, just like just like the pound. You get the gate closed and, behind them. <laughs> that's right. And the movie Heaven's Gate bankrupt uh, Universal's uh, art, no, MGM, and they had a merger of UA. That's right, yeah. Now, the thing is, it sucks that they're dying, but at least the movie's going somewhere. Making progress. We knew they were going to get killed. That's the whole point of this movie. Mm -hmm. Whoa, he has four arms. (laughs) Like that Hindu god. Oh, it's a trick. Yeah, shut up. This guy doesn't die. This guy dies last. How ironic. The guy who doesn't shut up yet. Right. I would hope maybe he would die before me, but no. Oh, so you could have a moment of quiet? Okay. (laughs) But no. Keep going. That's the penguin on the floor. Oh. March of death. Why a penguin? Get a tuxedo? Yes. Now, um, at least Downey is checking his pulse and making sure he's dead. I don't know. I guess she has concern. And he's the nice camera. Oh, is she, she acting a lot, Mrs. Mrs. Downey? Yep. And she was in all of his stuff. All the stuff, all his stuff. Anything else, like after they split or anything? After they split, I would doubt it. Let me just look at his list just, here. Yeah, kind of. So, he wasn't in Up the Academy. Um, maybe, okay, 1972 Greaser's Palace. That was the last thing she was in. They were divorced in the 80s. In 85, 86, he actually directed three episodes of TV's The Twilight Zone. Oh, and um, who who is the the host of the eighties one? They just had an anonymous voice. Was it Burgess Meredith? Burgess Meredith was I, under the movie. It's a great question. I do not know. I like the eighties Twilight Zone. There was Wes Craven directed a bunch of them. Joe Dante. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of them. The music's not bad in this either. Very. Oh, so this is their good to goodbye party, right? Or I, I don't know. It sort of looks like 
they, somebody had a party in the old way. Somebody ice filmed it. Ice sculptures. Oh, there's uh, Robert. Nope. No? No. Different uh, floppy-haired boy? None of these act. Well, Robert's five, and he's really distinct looking. It's It's just not him. None of the actors in the film are in this scene. I don't know why it's here. Oh, really? It's an ice bar. Ice carvings and cold temperatures. I thought that guy over there. That was that. He looked like the penguin, right? Yeah, that was that's not him. So maybe he's. I don't know the answer. I just never noticed him until. Yeah. And he was the very last second of that segment. Ooh, Pound of Flesh. That would be another porn title. Uh, good one. Nice. It took me 40 minutes, but I'm glad. Oh. Now, this for her name's Carolyn Cardwell, and she's only known for Putney, Swope, and Pound. I can't believe she's trying to teach her a new trick. Well, no. She's going to now give birth to a penguin. And the the... The Deutschhound there obviously is not the father. She must have slept with the penguin. Oh, like Catwoman. I guess yes. <laughs> he is. She slept with the penguin too. <laughs> I thought she was about to die. Does have a little '60s Batman feel, right? Like she could be, yeah, she could be a villain. Like, congratulations, it's a penguin dog. <laughs> He's given birth. Now, I don't know what's going on because everyone died, so they didn't die. See what I mean? They didn't die, yeah. Sometimes the gas just uh, encourages birth versus it's, killing. You say she died before she gave birth? That's I don't worse. know. But that's the thing about the movie. Are we out of order in a chronological sense? Or, or they made it? Or... Or Robert didn't care. There you go. Look. It's a oh, there it is. Taxidermy penguin. It's the penguin from my desk in my house. <laughs> I brought it to the set. I didn't know they were born so so fully grown and and so stiff. Yeah. That's for a penguin that. book, not a penguin. Pippin, what is it? Right, there's South Pole and North Pole and. One of them's like a puffin, puffin. Is that what it's called? Oh, at the opposite end. Yeah. I never saw the documentary. Now look, here's Carolyn. So she's alive. They're all alive now. Oh yeah. I heard penguin have happy feet. For marching. Just hanging around. When is this film gonna end? As if I didn't know. Dog day afternoon. Let's listen. What's going on? Because I think I'm out of stories right, to tell I'm you just... about this Robert Downey Jr. Senior. Carl, do you know anything about their their marriage, like how they met, uh, uh, the husband and wife? Down? No, the no, I don't. But I do know. That his last name is not really Downey. That was his oh. stepfather's name. Oh. Uh, yeah, he, he took it. 
when he went into the army, he changed his name to his stepfather. His original last name was Anthony Hall. It's strange. <laughs> um, it's Elias. Downey was born in New York City, New York, New York. He's the son of Elizabeth McLaughlin. It's not McLaughlin, but it's close. A model. And Robert Elias, who worked in a hotel restaurant management. He took the surname of his stepfather, James Downey, when enlisting in the Army. Oh, wow. Okay, it's just a baby Ruth. Oh, here's the old piano player in the abandoned pool routine. Yeah, now, now the the honky killer is going to see his wife in the corner, and the wife says, "If you don't sleep with me tonight, then I'm telling the authorities about you." So he decides that he will kill her because of that, and then uh. the piano player prevents him. It doesn't make any sense. What does this have to do with anything? Mike, say this movie's bad. I dare you. With the piano, the piano player has a good line, though. He says that she might be your wife, but she's my lady or something like that. That's right. He does. Now, you saw this film, Mike. That is what he You said. know what? It's an hour and a half into this film. I've been meaning to see this movie all my life. Here we go. That's the line. She may be your wife, but she's my Whoa. woman. I've been waiting to see this movie for a long – since I read about it in Playboy magazine in the 80s. And then I yeah, realized I you I don't... know that Steve that this show is all based upon the fact that YouTube Mike used to read periodicals about movies and he would never see them but he would learn yeah. all about them. Yeah. And now we can see them all. We're talking about like real shitty movies like this movie or stuff yeah. that you the only way you can see it is by reading some guy's version right. of it. You would come across it. That's impressive. Right. You'd have to go down to the Zigfield for an eleven o'clock showing on a Wednesday. If you, you had to go to a, a, a flea market and buy it on video cassette. If you're right. Yeah. But it's all on YouTube. And uh, I figured for a movie show, we might as well make it talk over. You know, movie shows sometimes, your show doesn't, Steve, but I feel like some movie shows, they last longer than the movie itself. So we might as well watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's appropriation. We're we're remixing existing content for our own yeah, uh, product. As, as you should. This this is the best thing that's happened to this film in a long time. <laughs> now he is okay. There goes the gas. Yeah, the gas. Yeah. It's kind of disturbing. As a Jew, as a Jew, I'm going to say this is disturbing. <laughs> they showed this on Israeli television. How cruel. Touchy, touchy, touchy. They might have just purchased a film and. And the guy who made the subtitles, he must have known. I don't think anyone watched this ever. You know, and they probably show it twice a day. Now, why is the gas near the keeper? She fucked up. Talk to Con Ed about that. Oh, okay. I was like, what about the baby penguin? Is he going to get gas too? Well, see, that's the thing. Didn't we already see this? Didn't they already die? Didn't they go all through the pearly gates? Now we're seeing it again? It it doesn't, it's... Yeah. Oh, I am acting. And also <laughs> choking on real smoke. <laughs> there were method actors, but not by choice for the scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, cool. What's on TV? It's closed circuit. Yeah. <laughs> it's outside the door of the town. State of the art. 1970. Okay. 
I want you to stay still and pretend you're dead. Keep your eyes open. Go. Okay, we're going to do some yoga. We're going to start with some down dog poses. Elise was breathing. Oh. Maybe. Personal touch. Breathing, breathing. Where are those hands? Oh, is that? What are those? Oh, balls. Nice. Someone else's balls. To be fair, I saw. I don't know. Have you guys been uh, to? Uh, have you ever had the chance to go to uh, Mount Vesuvius over in Italy? No, I would like to go there for Pompeii. Yes. So that's where I was going with this. There actually is a you know because there, there's a lot of um, yes remains caught in like you know like a, a shell of of lava kind of thing that they have. Yeah. Uh, you know the, these bodies, and one of them looks. There's two or three of them look like they were masturbating when they they went. You know, to the... it's really fascinating because you're getting to really see like a time machine. Yeah, that's exactly the snapshot of their death, and you see the whole preserved Roman city. It's true. It's yeah. I. It's one of my bucket list items. Yeah, yeah, definitely highly recommend. Oh, this is the hey. Is they're this... doing a drinking. Is this the metaphorical boat, the river sticks? Are they now in purgatory? Oh, this is I oh. no, I couldn't tell you. Ooh, classy. The end credits show the uh, cast and their pictures, so I could know who Carol Carnival is. Wow. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we had just watched Hound from 1970. Oh. Steve Maison, it's man, you are probably the best guest we've had. You got it. What'd you think of this movie? I, 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 like I said, it, it became very clearly, even, even with Carl's help, um, I, I feel like I would have to watch it twice as many times as he has. So like 15 to even understand it as well as he has. It's, it was just so all over the place. And again, I, I get that that's the point that, but it's, 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 it's weird. Instead of being one kind of thing interspersed with some awkward or weird avant-garde stuff, it really is just crazy. I, I was thrown off by the parts that some suddenly are lucid and make sense. Right, you they're welcome when you see them. Yeah, yeah, it does, and and I guess that's part of it. The reaction that yeah, it brings you back, thinks you're you're on a normal setting, and then yeah, throws you right back into crazy stuff. But uh, like I said, I, I, even this, like this, this looks. If you just showed me this clip, I'd be like, oh, what's this? This looks like probably it was a good movie in the '60s or something. <laughs> yeah, it looks looks right, right. Yeah, no, he, this guy knows how to set up a shot and, and shoot it, execute it. That was a, that was stolen for uh, the first uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then, the closing of that door. Well, you know, we saw, right, we saw eggshells, right, Mike? The, the We saw the a film he yeah. made before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was another hippie film. That one was much better than this one, right, Mike? Yeah, so Toby Toby Hooper Toby, uh, made Eggshells, which is like a hippie commune comedy. Yeah, and uh, never went anywhere. Carl did a lot of research, and basically, it was it just played film uh, students uh, festivals. Yeah, it played and, at uh, colleges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and these I, these credits are wacky. They're I love Funhouse from Toby Hooper. That That's was a great yeah. movie. Yeah, that scared the shit out of me. That scared movie. the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I like that film. I actually thought about that a lot. So what do you think of this film, Mike? I have to say I liked it. Uh, I, you know, and I, I've been meaning to see this movie for a while, so I did watch it uh, beforehand, partially because, you know, with a guest, 
you know, sometimes it helps if I see it beforehand so we can talk about it. But yeah. I, it's interesting that the plot itself, it's very experimental, meaning there's no, either they're going to talk about dying or they're going to die. And uh, all the other stuff is a little weird. But yeah, I like Lucidity. I think this is one of his better shot, better produced films. Uh, so I, I would recommend it. You know, no one's going to watch it anyway. It's not like, oh boy, I can't wait to watch <laughs> West uh, Village Hippies uh, Pretender Dogs. Okay, wow. my turn. My turn. Yes, Carl. What'd you think I of hated this film. It was terrible. <laughs> this film made me like Greaser's Palace. Okay, yes, it was shot well. Okay, that's true. That's technical. I mean, this is supposed to be entertainment, and I'm yeah. waiting for the film to end. <laughs> Well, there you go. Well, thank you. Robert, it was funny at the end credits there. Robert Downey didn't, he didn't get a little photo, did he, at the end? No, you're right. He's he's listed as Bob Downey, uh, next, right below Alice at Downey's credit. Mm. (laughs) On the supporting cast. Well, you know, I would like to keep this uh, video running so we could look at some of the uh, Israeli MGM promos. Maybe we could get to that that sexy video. We could could cue it and end it. But uh, I'm excited. We do the show every week. We're on Mutiny Radio every Sunday, and then our podcast drops Sunday night, L-W-A-F-O-M-O-Y-T. Carl, next week's movie, oh, it is a killer. We're going to be watching 1979 Killer Fish. One word, Killer Fish. Mm. One word, trailer, killer, F-I-S-H, one well, word. Yeah, you know, actually, because we, um, I want this MGM video to keep playing, and I didn't really look for a oh. trailer. We're just going to have to make up the trailer. I don't know. Steve Maison, would you care to give us the trailer to no, Killer Fish? No, there's one. There's one. It's 19. 19- oh, there is? Yes. You want right. to do one of your trailers? Mike uh, does this funny thing in which he goes, in a world with. And then yes. He- <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. New Dimension Films presents. Dun-dun. Hey, I got bagels. Oh, we love bagels. Did you get cream cheese? Did I get cream cheese? Not only did I get cream cheese, but I got this lox. Man, it is some killer fish. <laughs> oh, it's oh, wow. really. Lee Majors, Margot Hemingway. This is great. And then, I don't know if you guys have the uh, closed captioning on this, <clears> but <throat> it's Israeli, and then the closed captioning gives you the English version. So without her beautiful food alone, Mood Canyon, usually they receive civilian organic international from my plane today. It's not like a little friendly morality. It's just a metaphor of liquid carefully. This is a uh, auto-generated American uh, English subtitles for uh, Hebrew. Liquid carefully has mathematically the filter Stevenson. Because... Hey, can I do a uh, trailer for Killerfish? Yes, please, Steve. <clears throat> you remember him from The Godfather. You remember him from Barney Miller. But this time, he's an assassin. Abe Vigoda is killer fish. Rated R. (laughs) Yay, killer fish. I love it. Very nice. Fishes foster children not admitted without a parent. (laughs) Remember he fostered a recommended movie because there's ads. You have a recommended channel. Oh, here it is. I gotta play this. By the way, it says I'm the Negro of the Wilderness. Sometimes I made it. So this this knight sits down and gives a rose and he eats food. 
and uh, she's in love with them and they go out. It's an ad for a porno station, I promise you. Wow. So weird, but that, yeah, that alternate version of like a I know, I've never seen like a version as an advertisement. <laughs> Axe body spray, like a virgin. <laughs> I did hear like a virgin play at a McDonald's in the 80s. I don't know if that counts. She's got a rose. Virgin? You're talking about Madonna's song? Yeah. Hot VOD movies. Okay. Hot VOD as in body? As in video on demand. Okay. Hot. But that I'm sure that was like a porn oh, advertisement. VOD. Video on demand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hot yeah. VOD movies. Okay. Next time you visit Israel, make sure you check out uh, Hot VOD on demand. Well, all right. Well, cool. We've heard uh, two trailers for Killer Fish already. Carl, do you have a Killer Fish or are we done? I, I do not have a Killer Fish trailer. And I'm also trying to find it for next week. You know, I got to start watching it. Uh, it's I'll out there. One, one word. The reason You know the reason why I picked this movie. Lee Majors? No, it was, yeah, I think Lee Majors is in it. Yeah. Oh. It, was re- it was released the same day as uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, what are you going to go see? Hmm. <laughs> uh, we all said Star Trek sold out, but Killer Fish wow. is playing in cinema, too. Killer Fish Ooh. has a fantastic movie poster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. doesn't look like Jaws at all. No. Or Piranha. Great, yeah. Who's, yeah. Who still made those movies in 1970? Crazy. All right, well, that is our film. Steve Maison. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. It was a, it was a blast. I hope to, I hope to be invited back. Uh, that was great. I, I hope yeah. you guys will come and talk movies with me on the Maison Movie Club. And yeah, I, thanks for having me. Let thank us know when so Killer much. Fish hits. We'll we'll do a tie-in. Deal. Yeah. So Maison <laughs> Movie Club, it's really good. Uh, check it out. And if you are on Facebook, you can join in and give your comments and do the porn titles uh, as well as Instagram, Twitter. I'm just yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Find me, Steve Mazon, M-A-Z-A-N, on any of those platforms, and I announce the film, and I would love your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a corporate uh, professional performance, so it does not – his time here does not reflect his act and hire him for a professional. (laughs) That's right. Yes. I adjust adjust for the venue. Perfect. Very cool. And uh, Carl, would you like to promote my movie on Amazon Prime, The Thieves' Code? Uh, yeah, The Thieves' Code, and you uh, very good in it. You get really mad. Now, look, watch it on Amazon Prime, but you got to watch it all the way to the end. You got to let the just walk out of the room after Mike's part and let the credits roll. That's very sweet. I'm on, I'm in like 52nd minute of the movie, so 42nd minute. Nice. So you can just fast forward to 42. Uh, Tony Sparks is in the movie, he plays a bartender named Tony Star- uh, Sparks. Yeah, oh, nice. That's horrible. He is horrible. He is horrible in that film. I don't have anything, to, you know, just let's Obviously. be honest. It was terrible. He did a terrible job. I like the rest of the film, and I liked your performance, too. All right. Well, hey, you know, you said it, not me. So uh, <laughs> the godfather of uh, uh, San Francisco comedy has some criticism. Has some critics, I guess. But yeah, you have yeah. to check out the movie to see it. Thank you, everyone. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, Carl, uh, check out Carl at Scotty's in Scottsdale. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's Scotty's Pub and Comedy Cove every weekend I'm hosting. But just go to carlsucks.com. But don't worry about me. Worry about Mike. 
worry about seeing the thieves code on amazon prime all right yeah. steve carl that's been our show audience thank Thanks, you guys, guys so much thank you lou thank you fan benjamin see you next week let's watch a full length movie on youtube with mike spiegelman let's watch a full length movie on youtube with mike spiegelman it's been German strudels. You should follow me on Twitter. It's Jokes to Carl. That's the French duh, not the Now let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Michael Spiegel.
of Edgar Hunter's Shake. And yeah, we're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. We're here in the Mission District of San Francisco. We're on Amitash Ohlone land. If you want to find out more about the land, and that's what colonized, please go to amitash.com. That's A-M-I-T-A-S-H.com. And that's where you can purchase We'll be going over some new stories today, and some people being interviewed. We did an interview maybe two days ago. It's hard to keep track of time, and I rec- pre-recorded it, and I didn't have a chance to really edit it, and that's okay. So I'll be playing the, the rough cut of it 
Ja sitä ei osaa niinku ajaa esimerkiksi ajamaan And I'm also going to be speaking about some news stories. And often on the show, it can get depressing because it's the news. <laughs> and also, definitely want to highlight some positive things that are happening and a lot of collective actions that are happening that are just like inspiring. And it's important to recognize victories, no matter how small they may feel. Just be a, r a reminder that there are so many folks doing a lot of really incredible organizing. Attention to that. Oftentimes I start with a rant. I don't know what to rant about today. I mean, I do know, and also, oh, I did have a. I, I try not to talk about my personal life too much on here. I did have a dream last night. So I've got. I think we all have people in our lives where we were friends at one point, and then for whatever reason, we either drifted apart, or there was fighting, or for whatever reason, just we're just not as close. And I had a dream about one of these friends. I'm still kind of connect, like we're connected on social media, but we don't really, we haven't talked in years. And in my dream, I was supposed to be like, I saw them, and I was like, oh hey, and the person was like, oh I, I was in love with you for a long time, and that's why I was so kind to you. And suddenly that just kind of washed over all of the anger I had, frustration, and sadness I had towards them about my friendship. I don't necessarily crumbled, more just like kind of faded. It wasn't anything, from my perspective, that felt too dramatic. Maybe parts of it were dramatic. I don't know, but it was really this nice bonding moment in my that my subconscious wanted me to experience. And I recognize that there's the theory that everything in your dream represents a part of you, and every person in your dream represents a part of you. And perhaps there was this uh, piece of myself. Sure, how to show love to myself, and I, I do. This is, I mean, I talk a lot on the show about how, obviously, we have housing for all and healthcare for all, and it doesn't seem that complicated to see the lack of any of that. And part of it comes from my own experience of just being in between housing for years of my life, and how difficult that was, and how that affected my behavior on so many levels. Not that I'm not you know, accountable and. Uh, responsible for my behavior. It's not an excuse for it. It's just an understanding that when I wasn't sure sometimes where I was going to spend the night and or staying with friends and or sleeping on couches and or being around, you know, being in situations that I ordinarily would not be in if I'd had stable housing, uh, it, I was not, I didn't, when I didn't have as many choices, uh, it did not really affect my interpersonal skills that well. It had a negative impact. And Substance use went up, and that really affected some of my friendships and relationships in my life. And it's so crucial just to understand how important it is that folks have their own housing, and it affects every single aspect of one's life. Privacy, self-confidence, the ability to get a job and to keep a job, safety, health, being removed from the elements. Having to deal with police harassment as much. Um, there's so many things that just like having the basic needs, like the fact that we are so far removed from that. Uh, and Japan, seeing the things with other countries, so difficult to witness day in and day out. Especially, I, I recognize this is happening uh, in many 
places around the country and many places around the world. So it's not just something that's happening in the Bay Area. However, it's so pronounced here with the wealth disparities that there are actual billionaires who live in this city and the fact that we're not <laughs> honestly hunting them down right now and asking them, I mean, I'm all for, I won't have anyone hunted down right now. People, there are vacant units here. Like, it's so, the problems are so fixable. It's just the people who are in positions of power to fix it and have the ability to fix it and have the wealth to fix it choose not to. And that's just, it's, and then I think about my own actions and, you know, I can point my finger all I want to, but it's also up to me. Help support folks who are organizing and act as well. I get tired of that. And it's just so fucking difficult when there are when we could easily have a world where people are safe and taken care of. And it's not like it's there are steps that we could take to recognize it's similar with prison abolition. I'm all for that as the end game. And I recognize it's not just like snap your fingers and it's done and all problems are solved. We do need to move into a world where we have compassion for one another and we we heal and rehabilitate that is punishment. And it comes for folks, obviously every case is different, but for folks who actually, who I think do need some uh, <coughs> punishment are people uh, in the highest offices of the land. That it's uh, folks who are simply trying to live their lives who are the ones uh, receiving that hate and violence and dying and poverty. It's difficult to hold these, you know, these, th these truths of how the world is and be a part of the world. Like I definitely want to, I, I definitely have some social anxiety to a certain extent. I feel a little bit different now about the way children try to go out for walks and exercise which I don't know if I explore as much as I would when I have the energy to just walk around other parts of the city I haven't been to before I haven't spent a ton of time in how beautiful it is um, at the same time it feels frightening to go out not a lot of folks are wearing masks the whole idea with wearing masks is that you're protecting other people not so much you're protecting yourself and courtesy to other people Folks can have be asymptomatic. I could be. I could have it. But at least if I wear a mask in public, that's one less, or I should say one more barrier to prevention and getting it. That's the least thing I could do. And yeah, of course it's not a professional medical thing. But uh, a lot of things in life are not very comfortable. And it's very, the bare minimum. Just encouraging folks to wear masks in social distancing. Not a lot of folks. I feel like in the last week or so, I've seen more, fewer and fewer, I've been seeing more and more people go out, more cars, unfortunately, and uh, just more people without masks. For a while, there was like definitely an uptick in people wearing masks, which is great and appreciated, and now it's kind of stopped, especially for like the jogging. Especially when you're jogging, you just exert more of that fear. And uh, there are some, though, who wear masks, so that's great. And it's really just this kind of listening how people respond to these difficult situations. Obviously, not everyone's perfect, and obviously, we all make mistakes. 
neighborhoods. Try to think of other people. Not that. Well, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Anyway, that's, I guess that's where my rant is. There we go. That's not so bad. All right. I mean, talking about falling and killing people. Um, you know, that's kind of the world that we live in. So I do want to get to some what am I talking about? Also, ooh, there's a cover of Oko Ono's So perhaps I'll put that on right now, then I will put up, pull up a story to read, and I'll also sit down, because I haven't sat down yet, although I did hear her audio recording was recorded in the car. Maybe I'll stand up. We'll see how this goes. So this is Wilco Niccolo, and we're just going to do a little bit of debate. I'll find it on YouTube. I'm not going to say simpler times. They're just simpler.
recorded it. Seven. Standing up. Let's see how this goes. This is from Oceanside. Hope the students may get to vote for school board members. Yes, they could. That is just by asking outside and it's not on May 20th. November ballot measure to allow 16 and 17 year olds to vote in the election. Oakland has six U.S. cities with lower age voting ages. The Oakland City Council surveyed new candidates for on-page district measure uh, called ballot make spending critical. <laughs> I uh, tried to stand up and it was like 20 minutes, not this much time. Good enough. Okay. So the Oakland City Council voted unanimously on Tuesday to push a measure on the fall ballot, extending the voting time by 15 minutes to counter discrimination on strong candidates. Greater influence on the uh, Oakland Unified School District. If approved by voters, uh, Oakland allows help students and their to push this measure. The school board is sponsored Broad support, many have expressed concern that changes are ineligible. 
vote, uh, or that they could be easily misled by defective campaigns. OU, as, as a, I'm going to just interrupt here, as opposed to fucking adults <laughs> who, like, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, come on. OUSD District 6 Supervisor uh, Shanti Gonzalez felt that with more time, the proposal could have been more effective. The main thing is that there's no plan in OU history to vote in the election for voters for those who perform poorly in the election. Even adults have different views. Students who successfully campaign are very confident in their ballot that they are mature enough to track it. I've experienced not having a teacher present when I have done something before that in school or in class. Uh, all for my There are some things that I feel all students must have access to. I don't want teacher students to feel powerless in this matter. If we are able to balance our schoolwork with writing and the right to vote for them. School students. Berkeley student voting registration is now up to 70% of the vote in the state of Washington. That meant that the students in Berkeley would still be showing up if they had access to the right papers and registration forms to vote. Berkeley officials were also demanding that students who have completed registration forms take out their own papers so they don't look otherwise San Francisco supervisors also Oakland voters 